Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Miesler, and this show provides content curation as a service with a focus on the intersection of security, technology, and humans. I spend between 5 and 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts, and each episode is either a curated summary of what I've discovered in the past week or a standalone essay that hopefully gives you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 179. Security news, the deepfakes thing is already starting to have an impact and it didn't even involve actual deepfake, which is GAN-ML technology. A video was spread of Nancy Pelosi speaking very slowly and seeming to stumble over her words, which made her look quite bad. The video was virally shared throughout social media on the right Problem is, it was intentionally slowed down to make her look old, stupid, or crazy. And what this shows us is that it's not the machine learning that makes deepfakes dangerous. It's the willingness of a massive percentage of the U.S. population to believe total garbage without an ounce of scrutiny. It doesn't matter if deepfakes can be shown to be fake because people are matching evidence to their emotions, not the other way around. The vulnerability is in our ignorance and cynicism, not a spoofing technology. And as I wrote about a couple of years ago, this will be used as a weapon against us. A real estate insurance website for First American Financial Corp was vulnerable to a simple IDOR, which is a vulnerability where you can change the account number and the URL to get another account. And it evidently resulted in the exposure of hundreds of millions of insurance records that included extremely sensitive information like addresses, names, social, credit cards, that kind of stuff. IDOR is still one of the most common and dangerous vulns a web app can have. And for companies like this, they can absolutely be devastating. The U.S. military is trying to learn how to how popular movements form and evolve, right? So social movements, you know, um, zeitgeist type situation, I I guess, smaller scale. But uh, to do that, they're studying 350 billion social media messages. But it's a Bloomberg article, so maybe they're actually studying bullfrogs for clues about hypertension. Moody's has downgraded Equifax's rating in some significant part due to its 2017 cyber breach. This is noteworthy because until now, breaches have largely been spackled over in terms of the major financial perspective at the 6 to 24 month timescale. So basically after a number of months, like the stock would just go back to normal and people wouldn't even notice. And there was some cleanup you know, money and and payoffs and uh, credit consumer protection, you know, costs associated with those things. But but it wasn't like a real dent in the business. And this is a positive indication that companies could actually start taking cybersecurity more seriously. And not just as at the technical or CISO or IT level, but from a boardroom down, which would be a good thing. Advisories this week, TP-Link routers have some sort of major issue. Technology news. 
DJI is going to be including aircraft detection capabilities in all of its drones over one half pound going forward. The change follows multiple incidents where drones caused disruption with airplanes and airports. The system would basically prevent their drones from flying within a certain distance of aircraft based on detecting those signals. I think it would be super fun to build SDR that broadcasts those signals and can just clear out tens of drones from random areas. Maybe that wouldn't be funny, but I don't know. It's funny to me. Uh, Amazon is gamifying warehouse work through video games, and it does look a bit black mirror-ish as this article talks about. But at the same time, if it's a good job that people like, and this makes the job more fun, then I don't think that's necessarily bad. I think the black mirror piece comes into it when you can't really quit the job for whatever reason, right? So if, if you're in some sort of dystopian black mirror episode, you, you can't quit because the government forced you to do that job. Or if you quit, you'll die or whatever the dystopian, you know, sort of hook is. But I mean, if it's a good job and you have options for other good jobs, um, or just the more options you have, the, the less compelled this is, the less dystopian it looks. Andreessen Horowitz analysis of investment opportunities in the podcast ecosystem. This was a really cool analysis. A couple of things I found interesting. One quarter of Americans listen to a podcast weekly and 48% listen at home. Can't imagine listening to podcasts at home. I guess unless you have a home gym. But to me, it seems very commuting and working out. Open source software these days seems to be mostly individuals or small groups working in projects themselves as opposed to joining massive, you know, community projects. I've noticed this myself, actually, and I feel like the best software I've written has just been me doing the work because I didn't have to worry about upsetting anyone or stepping on their feet or anything like that. I think if Putman were still alive, he would probably write a book called Coding Alone instead of Bowling Alone. Human news. About half of all U.S. stocks are now in index funds as opposed to being actively managed by investors. Um, you know, basically these stock fund or uh, stock managers or hedge fund managers, people are pulling their stuff out of that active management and putting in, putting it in uh, index funds. They're basically realizing that the highly paid humans aren't really that much more effective than algorithms at picking winners. Suburban moms are delivering groceries to make extra money. Sounds depressing. Article's not really that depressing. It's like something to do. It's extra extra activity. It's activity where you're not spending money. You're actually earning some, but evidently the uh, the pay could be quite variable, which you would expect from a gig type situation. Uh, evidently, the stats are around fifty percent or so are uh, women uh, later in life uh, doing this kind of work. The U.S. birth rate continues to fall, and many are pointing to social media as a contributing factor. 
social media giveth, but social media taketh away as well. The good news is that there's less human connection and therefore pregnancies that teenagers can't manage. But the bad news is there's less human connection and therefore relationships that make up the foundation of happiness. Exercise is increasingly being prescribed as a treatment for depression, but the trick is getting people to actually do it when they're depressed. That is the hard part, is getting them to even do anything to get out of bed. Netflix might be in serious trouble, largely from Disney's new streaming service, Disney+. Plus. This article makes the argument that it's something like 174 days. I guess this is when the Disney thing, Disney Plus thing launches. It makes a really compelling argument that my friend Andrew Ringline has made in the past, which is that once this thing goes live and all the Disney content gets pulled from Netflix, they're going to have a serious problem. Because if you look at, I think this article basically said four out of the five major grossing movies in the last however long were all Disney movies. Uh, what was the exception? Oh, Jurassic Park. I think Jurassic World was the exception. And like the other four were all Disney because Marvel, Star Wars, like just tons and tons of movies. Oh, and plus ABC and ESPN are owned by Disney. So, so much content is going to be unified into one system. And uh, Netflix is spending tons of money trying to make content, but that's like a, it's a rat wheel right? You just keep, keep hoping that, that something's going to pay off. Whereas you instantly have a payoff with Disney because you can go and look at all their old stuff and they have so many franchises. So, um, a lot of people are saying this, this could be pretty bad for Netflix. So they have to figure something out quick to counter this threat. The richest 10% of households have 70% of all U S wealth which is up from 60% in 1989. Ideas, trends, and analysis. Got a really compelling argument here saying that programmers should not be called engineers. This argument resonates with me for a number of reasons. First, there's a professional license that's needed to be engineer. Second, it often requires mentorship and experience, you know, like an actual apprenticeship to be an engineer. Third, You can lose your license for doing bad work as an engineer. And fourth, engineering is all about creating strong, long-lasting things for the public to use. I think that's even the most powerful component of the argument. Basically, you build bridges, you build roads, you build these things that that the world depends on, that, that your peers and the people depend on, right? And programming, at least today, seems a lot more about building temporary things that just good enough to have someone pay for it in order to make money. I do think there's room for the engineer title somewhere in programming, perhaps for people who build protocols, but I don't think it should just be handed out as soon as you get paid to push code to a repo. In addition to thinking about what you can do to make a situation better, You can also invert the question and focus instead on avoiding things that make it worse. This I got from Farnham Street blog, which is a cool, cool thing. Talks about mental models. Got my old essay here on life casting. 
which I still believe is coming. It's uh, crazy to read this now, given how much has changed since the early 2000s, but a lot of this is um, still quite valid. Uh, some things have already happened. Some things have not happened yet and won't happen, I think, for quite some time, if, if they ever do. Um, I actually have a poor person's copyright for this um, somewhere. It's like where you you write everything down, you mail it to yourself. Evidently, I have a number of these in storage somewhere. You don't need to be brilliant to do brilliant work. This was a really cool essay. It's all, all about grinding, really. The surprising benefits of relentlessly auditing your life. This was a really cool essay about something I wrote about in my book called DOM, um, Desired Outcome Management. But it's basically like, describe what you're trying to achieve. What are your goals, right? Um, describe how you currently are doing against those goals and then describe projects towards achieving them and then carry those out. Discovery. The Data Science Interview Study Guide. I never imagined myself writing this, but now it seems far more likely than ever that there are aliens here on Earth. It's a weird sentence to say. Over the last few years, there have been multiple mainstream stories of sightings. I'd still put the chance very low, since there could still be tons of other reasons, right? Unreleased tech from various governments, hoaxes, mistakes, like just seeing something weird in the sky, like, um, you know, it, it could be lots of things. But I would say the odds are much higher than I'd ever thought they would be 10 or 20 years ago. And if they are aliens, I hope they're waiting to step in if things get out of hand. This is uh, got one of the first pictures of King Tut's tomb. Looks like a typical hoarder, really. Uh, the cost of college and infographic, roughly 2x what it was, I think, about 30 years ago. Old people in Japan are volunteering to clean up radiated areas because even if they get cancer, they'll be dying around that time anyway. So they're basically volunteering to do something extremely dangerous because they'll be dying then anyway. It's super noble. It was on uh, Wholesome Memes on Reddit. Someone's breaking into houses, cleaning them, and leaving flower towels, which reminds me of that one Banksy piece where someone is throwing flowers like a Molotov cocktail. And notes this week, I pre-ordered Neil Stephenson's new book about a dystopian tech future called Fall. And the member Slack channel is up and running. And it's turning out better than I expected already. I'm enjoying the casual open discussion vibe as things get started. And we'll, we'll still be exploring ideas for how to manage the book club and do special events. So if you're interested in a super chill atmosphere with smart people, I would say add this to the list of reasons to subscribe. And the recommendation for this week, how to improve your writing and everyday communication. This is a short little opinion piece on New York Times. It's really good. And the aphorism for the week, we have three baskets, in, out, and too tough. We have to have special insight or we put it in the too tough basket.
We have three baskets, in, out, and too tough. And we have to have a special insight or we'll put it in the too tough basket. Charlie Munger. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. And don't forget that the show is both a podcast and a newsletter. So you can get more information about everything you just heard by subscribing to the newsletter or reading the blog posts for each episode. Also keep in mind that I do the show weekly, but if you're not a member, you're currently only getting every other odd-numbered episode. And if you want to get every episode of the podcast and newsletter, you can become a member at danielmeisler.com slash subscribe for less than a latte per month. Being a member will also get you access to the subscriber area of the site, which is the home for all previous member episodes, as well as other types of premium and experimental content. I'll see you next time.